You're listening to the Stronger Marching Podcast. What's up, guys? My name is Jonathan. I'm a composer, arranger, and a marching arts designer based out of Nashville, Tennessee. And this is the Stronger Marching Podcast, where we talk about all things marching music education. And that's exactly how we look at it around here. We view marching band, marching music education, as a music education tool, first and foremost, something that really inspires students to pursue music making at a high level and to really propel them forward into their musical journeys and their future. So I'm so glad you stopped by today. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you are a band director, if you're a band student, if you're a marching band designer, this podcast is for you. It's just an open dialogue about pretty much anything and everything going on in the marching arts activity. And uh, our season is kind of ramping up as I'm recording this. It's uh, late August. And so we're kind of getting ready to just uh, slide right into marching band season, football season, uh, band contest season. So I thought today we would actually take a look at some interesting um, information an, uh, an article that came out a little while ago, actually, from Music for All. Music for All, if you're not familiar, is actually the parent organization for Bands of America. And they are one of the largest, if not the largest, marching contest organization. They are really um, fundamentally, philosophically invested in uh, competition for students' benefit. Uh, really love their mission statement. And obviously, the mission in their name, Music for All, creating opportunities for all students to have life change through uh, music. And so they they published an article recently uh, entitled Music for All Philosophy Statement, Use of Amplification and Electronic Enhancement of Band Sonority. Well, that's a mouthful, but uh, it really is just a, an open discussion about technology and um, the, exactly that technology on the marching field. So in the last month, I don't know about you, but I've seen a ton of open access to AI chatbots like GPT-4. Uh, there are music and art generators now, AI that can splice videos for you, AI that can replace people's voices. Uh, did you know that this actually isn't even my voice? It's a, no, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. It's definitely my voice, but there are AI generators that can like totally, uh, take your voice and and say words that you're talking. It's crazy, guys. It's absolutely crazy. So um, I, I just thought we would take a minute and kind of talk through this article. You can actually find the article linked in the show notes. I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but you're more than welcome to. It's not a terribly long article, but I do want to break it down and kind of talk about some of these individual things and really talk about where this is coming from and the philosophy statement that this really brings to us that I think is really meaningful. So I want to talk about this whole uh, statement that Music for All has made. And I'm going to define kind of how they have uh, the choice of words that they've used, because I think it's really important. So they talk about the title of the article, Philosophy of Amplification and Electronic Enhancement of Band Sonority. So let's talk about each one of those. So most of us that are in the band world, in the design world, we understand what the word sonority means or band sonority. But I, I, you know, no listener left behind here. So I want to talk about what is that word mean, sonority. Uh, well, sonority, when I looked it up, is the the actual definition is the quality of being sonorous. And I'm like, you know, that's a really fantastic definition, right? No, like, what does it mean? Well, sonority is sound, basically. It's the type of sound. So when we say band sonority, we have uh, we we are saying there is a there is a band wind ensemble marching band sound that makes up. Um, traditional fundamental musical sound in in the band world. So uh, they are saying the use of amplification and electronic enhancement of band sound, of band uh, wind ensemble sound. 
And so I've got a couple different points here and a couple of different thoughts about the article, and then we're going to go from there. So point number one, I, I said it in the intro, marching music education must first and foremost be education. When I saw this article pop up on my Facebook page, I honestly, I thought it was going to be another one of those articles from some person who hasn't taught in 20 years and who's totally out of the game and doesn't understand. But you know what? It actually, I, I was really surprised and I think it brings up some really great points. And I think it really guides all of us in this activity to a place where we can have a discussion. And I know there's people on both sides of the aisle on this one. There's people with really strong opinions one way or the other. Uh, but, you know, the article embraces that the electronics and amplification aren't going anywhere. It just offers some guidelines that really usher groups forward and usher our activity forward. And I really applaud Music for All for that, for the amount of kind of stance that they're taking on um, I mean, you could say the forefront of this, you know, again, we're always reacting to something. Are we reacting? Or are we responding? And, and I think in a, in a very real way, obviously, there's some things going on that they're responding to, but are reacting to. But I think there's a really great response here that are that's moving us forward. So, um, you know, the statement that they make in the article says, we believe this is music for all speaking. We believe that competition is a great motivator and provides substantial opportunities for learning life lessons. Man, that really rings true for me. If education is not the first piece of the puzzle, if it's not the absolute reason we do marching band at the end of the day, we, we, we will lose sight of the true goal, man. It is just so important that education is that pillar of foundational uh, principle support that we stack everything on top of the hard stance that music for all has taken is the following. And they say the following are examples of parameters that we believe all competing participants should adhere to. So here's the hard stance. One, all music from traditional wind and percussion instruments or electronic instruments must be performed by a student live and in real time. That's the first point. The second bullet point is the use of sampled, pre-recorded, or sequenced sounds of woodwind brass or uh, and or percussion instruments is not permitted. Wow, that's a lot. It, just in those two pieces, we could we could have like a whole masterclass on this, guys. Like it's it's a lot. So let's talk about the blurred lines in this. So let's talk about the definition again. The use of sampled, pre-recorded, or sequenced sounds of woodwind, brass, or percussion instruments is not permitted. So let's talk about what what is a sample. Well, a sample. Uh, for those of those of you that may not be familiar, is it, it, uh, there's actually a, a piece of hardware in music technology that is called a sampler. The whole existence of the piece is to take something that um, exists, like to take a voice or to take a sound and to make it into um, musical notes or musical um not notation, but musical musical sound. So a sampler is the reuse of a portion or a sample haha, of a sound recording in a new recording. So taking something that exists and putting it in another recording is, is the basic definition of a sampler. Um, they, they also say sampled sequenced sounds. So sampled sequence sounds is the second point. A sequence sound, a, a, again, native instruments describes a sequencer as a tool that allows you to program and playback sequences of notes, rhythms, and effects automatically instead of performing or recording each part in real time. So uh, similar to like um, right now, Ed Sheeran is going on a big tour all around the country and he uses a sequencer that allows you to pre uh, to record what you're playing and to play over it and to continue um you know he ma he makes live sound out of just a guitar man if you haven't seen that you need to look it up it's really cool um and then the third thing that they mentioned the use of sampled sequenced or pre-recorded sounds so pre-recorded sounds is the actually the one that i think it's a little blurry uh because one could argue again that pre-recorded sounds could either refer 
to a studio session, like, hey, we hit a button and it plays in, you know, an MP3 or a WAV file. But I think the case could be made that MIDI sampled, sampled sounds triggered by MIDI. So our traditional, you know, what we consider virtual instruments triggered by MIDI are sounds that are pre-recorded. MIDI triggers pre-recorded sounds. Now, the essence of the statement is not that right. Like we understand that even though MIDI is pre, like MIDI triggers virtual instruments that are pre-recorded sound, uh, we're not talking about that. The essence, the the philosophy behind this is that we're trying to maintain integrity of music education and of marching music education and of live performance. So I I think all of those things. Now that we've defined everything, I think big point number two is that based on the article. Music for All is not degrading the use of electronics, rather offering some guardrails, some parameters, some guidance that's going to move us forward. Again, the they're trying to respond to a situation before it totally derails. Uh, they're tr- they're they're offering some you know reaction of I'm sure things that are happening, but they're trying to respond and send us all in a in kind of in the activity in a place that moves us forward rather than totally off the rails. And again, I, like I said, there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions on this, and uh, would love to hear your opinions on this. Actually, we'll talk about that later in the segment. But I think there's some really good guidance that comes out of this because in truth. Their guidance is ultimately that it's a recommendation, it's guidance and advice. It's that they, they, like I said, they did make a hard stance that they said, you know, these are the parameters we believe are, uh, these are the parameters we believe all competing ensembles need to follow. But in truth, they, they have not made that I'm aware of, they've not made anyone sign you know, an agreement that says, you know, we're not doing this or we are doing this or whatever, because here's the thing, and this is big point number three, I believe that decisions on what is cutting edge and innovative and what is unethical ultimately is left up to band directors because band directors know their groups and know their students and know their students' capacity and know their students' ability. And again, if if marching music education, if education is the primary foundational force, then everything we do is in is in pursuit of education, is in pursuit of serving students. And now it's a really great thing for all of us to come together and say, hey, here's some guidelines that we all agree on. But again, I think it's a, it's it's a it's a big piece to say, hey, if you do this, this is unethical. That's a really hard line. And I don't really feel like Music for All has done that. However, uh, I just want to I want to put that out. I want to put that out there into the world that, you know, even as a designer, it's not my job to tell you how or how not to use technology in your classroom. That's your job as an educator. You know, that, I, that's that's my opinion. But we'll, we'll keep moving on from that. So, again, point number three, decisions on what is cutting edge, what is innovative, what isn't innovative, what is you know, what is not good for my students, that's, that should be left up to the educators and to the people standing in classrooms with students every single day. So I'm going to offer some thoughts that I've kind of drawn from the article that I believe are ethical ways that we, that we continue to use electronics ethically in band. So uh, here's some ethical uses of electronics in band. Number one, Amplifying soloists, man, we we are all very aware of that. Even if you're not competing on a regional level, you're utilizing microphones to amplify your soloists. You just have to these days, um, you know. Which which is great because it gives me as a designer, you know, I can I can write a flute solo while there's accompaniment in the brass, you know, or something like. There's just so many 
ways in which um, electronics can help us with that. The amplification of a soloist, that's a really great piece. Uh, number two, using shotgun mics to amplify an acoustical sound happening on the field. So let's talk about shotgun mics. Um, again, no listener left behind. Shotgun mics are a very specific kind of microphone. They're not the kind of microphone that I'm using right now to record this. They're not the kind of microphone that you're going to see on stage if you go see like a live performance. Shotgun mics are a very specific kind of microphone, and I, sh I should have gotten like an actual technical name for these, right? I, I need to be better about that. But shotgun mics are essentially um, a specific kind of mic that amplifies sound that is right in front of them. So uh, if you have a woodwind section moment that is stationed right in front of a shotgun mic, but you've got another brass thing that's happening, you know, a, a 10 yards over, the shotgun mic is a really great choice to amplify one thing in front of it. So people tend to use um, four to six shotgun mics set up at the front of the field that amplify specific places that students are going to be staged during the production. Um, there is, there's a specific amount of space that the shotgun mics need in order to, um, you know, like there's, I don't remember the exact, um, the, the exact like footage and things, but depending on where it's placed and depending on how far it is and how loud you have it amplified, it has to be so far apart from the next microphone. So that way it, it, it's a whole thing. It's a very specific piece of electronics, but it's, it's a very effective piece for uh marching band because it, uh, it is able to amplify a lot of, uh, sound from something right in front of it without picking up all the rest of the sound as well, or picking up things behind it or picking up the front ensemble. If you've got it even staged in front of the front ensemble. So, uh, the shotgun mics to amplify acoustical sound happening on the field music for all, uh, specifies that is, um, an ethical use of technology. Number three, they talk about creating balance between front ensemble sections and full ensemble 2D moments. So again, if you've got a smaller front ensemble um, and you need that balanced with your larger horn line, I mean, let's just be honest here, right? Like one or two marimbas can't compete with 50, 60, 100 kids. Um, so uh, mixing that and making it something that is um, more, more balanced, more blended in a full ensemble 2D moment is absolutely within those uh, kind of parameters that they've set up. And then lastly, number four, in some cases, aiding in phrasing moments between the battery winds. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not phrasing, aiding in phasing moments between the battery winds and front ensemble section. So for example, I saw a video, uh, this was a couple of years ago, actually, I believe it was the blue coats that, uh, drum corps that is starting to use in-ear equipment, in-ear software in their battery section to better, um, better aid with phasing pieces. So the front ensemble and the battery are more, more, um, in time with each other, more just, and, and all of the, uh, the technology that goes into the phasing in that is insane to me, but just saying there are definitely, there's definitely technology that's moving us forward and helping us just move the activity forward and be innovative and all of those things. So the advice that Music for All has made states, amplifying an individual through a soundboard during 2D sections leads to an intentional misrepresentation of what is being performed by the total ensemble. So remember we talked about shotgun mics, amplifying what's on the field, but Music for All has made a statement and has made a, again, a kind of a hardline statement that if you're, if you have a student um, that has a, a microphone on them, like a wireless mic on them, and that student is turned up while you're you're basically, um, you know, doing a 2d moment, say there's a saxophone player and it's a woodwind sectional moment. And you've got that saxophone player cranked. They've called that an, um, an intentional misrepresentation. 
Now that wording is pretty strong to me, an intentional misrepresentation. Um, because if, if, if that's the wording that was intentionally chosen, Music for All thinks that band directors and technicians are trying to mislead audiences into thinking that a group of a few musicians are replacing the sound of the full ensemble. And they do clarify that with smaller groups or if a participating band has a limited number of performers, for example, one player to a part, uh, the use of individual microphones is acceptable. Um, Again, that's a that's a hard that's a hard line for me. Um, I do agree with it personally, but that's a hard line for me. You know, if the intent, it's hard for me to say this is the intention of a band director because intention is not something we can prove, right? So I, I just want to be really careful about that. Um, just again, offering my thoughts. I do believe that if education is our frontmost foundational piece, that. The intention should be that all of the students understand this, that all of the students are effective and being evaluated as a piece and as a whole instead of a bunch of little pieces to a whole. But anybody that knows anything about live performance knows that just by cranking up the section leader in the in the ensemble, you know, you're still going to have you're going to have inconsistencies in space and in time and in length of notes and in balance and all of these pieces. And I'm not really sure. Um, I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm not really sure you're going to um, intentionally misrepresent how your students are sounding on the field. Now, it might be louder and it might be louder of what you're wanting, but there's still going to be a, if, if your students aren't all playing what you want them to play and aren't all playing together consistently, then covering them up with a section player is not going to um, fix all of those problems. So, um, you know, in reality, I, I think 30,000 feet here, in reality, Music for All, Bands of America, is not stifling technological advancement in our activity, um, but rather policing it and, again, responding ahead of things like this happening, I hope, um, to keep our activity moving forward for all groups and not just those who can afford a fancy amplification system to make 10 students sound like 150. And, you know, that is that's really, I think, what it comes down to is there, you know, it like I said, just said, it's very difficult to make one student sound like 30, but it is possible to make 10, 15, 20 sound like 50 if you've got the right equipment. And I think that that's a really, uh, that I think that in, in fullness is the most difficult part of all of these pieces together is, you know, we want students that are in smaller ensembles or students that maybe aren't from as, um, you know, as wealthy schools or, you know, all of these things that we value in education, right? Music for all. It's music for all students. So we really want them to be able to succeed as well. And these are protections for those students. So uh, I'm so thankful that Music for All has, in a way, kind of offered some guidance. I think it's good for all of us to take a look at it. But again, you do, as a band director, you do what's best for your students, and I think that that is all that anybody can ask of you is to serve your students well and do the best for your students. And um, you know what? Leave the rest on the field, just like we, we say to our students, leave the rest on the field. So, yeah, I'm going to link this article down in the show notes. Make sure you take a look at it. It is, uh, it's an interesting article. I think, again, I really enjoy the stance that Music for All has taken and think that they have really done a, a good job of really guiding us in a place that we uh, can, you know, start to make real steps towards innovation. So anyway, well, thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Again, this is the Stronger Marching Podcast. If you love the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star review. And uh, if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Jonathan underscore Martin underscore music. You can also connect with me by emailing info at Jonathan Martin music.com. 
And hey, if you're interested in becoming a marching arts designer or just getting better at writing and designing or the orchestration part of marching band, hey, I'm getting ready to launch a brand new course called Marching Arrangers Master Course. And you can find more information about that on my website at jonathanmartinmusic.com. Again, that's jonathanmartinmusic.com. All of the resources that were mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes. You can also visit jonathanmartinmusic.com backslash podcast and all of it's linked right there for you. Thanks so much again for listening to the Stronger Marching Podcast. Once again, my name's Jonathan. I'll see you next time.